You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, you've told us that your kingdom is like a treasure trove where we go in and find things both new and old, wondrous things, things that build us up for your service and in our salvation. Lord, bless us now as we come to your scriptures that you may so build us up. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, it's weird that this came up on a morning I have to preach when they're preparing the Golden Age meal back there because I was smelling it between the services. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm hungry. (laughs) Is anyone else hungry this morning? (laughs) Now, if if you're hungry this morning, here in America, the truth is it's probably because you chose to be. You woke up late, you didn't prepare your breakfast, or you're fasting or something, or dieting. Um, For most of our brothers and sisters around the world, that's not true. Most people go to bed hungry, wake up hungry, and stay hungry most of the day. That's most people throughout most of history have not had nearly as much food as we have. Um, And that's part of the context for Jesus' telling of this parable. Now, he's telling it to the chief priests and the Pharisees. They are the land-owning class. They're the ones who hobnob with kings. In fact, these chief priests in particular are hobnobbing with a not very good king. Um, But those who in the crowd who are around listening, they're thinking, yeah, I understand the way this works. Context is everything. And a lot of what I'm going to help you do to understand Jesus' parable today is explain to you the context, explain to you the way a wedding ceremony or a marriage happened in Jesus' day. Part of what happened is that you would... It was a big blowout. I know weddings are expensive today, but imagine having a wedding reception that lasted for a week. Um, Dads, (laughs) if you have daughters. Um, Imagine that. That's what a wedding was. And this was for poor people. It was a big deal when you were having a wedding. And no less so for a king. The king is preparing a wedding feast for his son. and, And the first thing you do is, there's actually not one invitation, there's two that go out. Okay, so this is kind of like the save the date things that people send out now, right? You get one of those and then it's not the real wedding invitation, right? That's the, that's the save the date. This is like it were. The king would send out or whoever's holding the wedding ceremony would send out messages and say, Hey, are you coming? Because they need to know how much food to prepare. So you get that first invitation. We join the parable and that invitation has already gone out. Everyone hearing this would have understood this. 
And now the king has prepared everything. He's taken his choicest animals and made them the food for the feast. Everything is ready to roll. He's, he's poured his riches into that table. And he says, hey, remember you said you were coming? Time to go. Let's roll. And what the responses he get is like, you know, business is really, really hopping right now. I don't think I can get away. Or, you know, I've just got so much going on around the house. The wash needs to be done. And, and you know, and, and I've just got all this stuff. Or worse, there's a group who are offended. They're offended that the king thinks they owe him a response. They said they were coming, but now that he invites them, they're like, you don't have a right to think we should be there. We'll kill the messengers who brought the message. We'll beat them and scorn them and some of them will kill. Now this landowning class, these chief priests and these scribes, so far would have been saying, yeah, good for the king. And even if they thought about it and started to realize who Jesus was talking about, they might have still been okay with it. Because remember, they're living after the Babylonian captivity. Solomon's temple has already been destroyed and carried off. They're probably thinking about, yeah, those sinners back there, God, they deserved it. Not like us. We're good. So the parable goes on. The king then said, those who killed these other people, he makes war on them, destroys them, and he says, you know what, they weren't worthy. Let's invite everyone. Just go out on the street, grab anyone, willy-nilly, bring them in. We're going to feed them. we got more than enough food. Now imagine you're one of the poor crowd who doesn't get to eat enough day after day and you're hearing this. Yeah! (laughs) But here's something else you need to know about being invited to a wedding in the first century. Not only did you receive an invitation, you received the garment you were to wear to the wedding. Because you didn't want to disgrace your host. But the host couldn't obligate you to wear something that was nice enough for their house because you might not have enough money to buy it. So they would send it to you. And this is why the king is so affronted that someone is sitting there without a proper wedding garment. They were given it. And they threw it away. This is aimed at not just those chief priests and scribes, it's aimed at us in the church who hear this story too. For we have not only been given an invitation to the king's feast, we have been given the garment we need to wear to come. Those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians 3.28 That putting on of Christ is why we wear these robes. It's not because they're pretty. It's definitely not because they're easy to keep clean. But this white robe covers the blackness of my cleric the same way the righteousness of Christ covers the blackness of our sins. That as we come to the king's table, baptized in Christ, we are covered with the righteousness of the king himself. And so we approach, not as we say on our Wednesday night service, not with the righteousness of our own, but with the righteousness given to us as a gift. It's a gift. The invitation to the feast is a gift. The feast itself is a gift. The garment we receive to come into the king's presence is a gift. It's all grace. We are saved by grace alone. 
and the only thing we need do to enjoy the riches of the king's banquet is not throw away the gift we've been given. We have free will. Once we've been baptized, we have the ability to throw away the gift we've been given. But why? Think on what that gift means. The banquet we're being invited to is not just food forever. Much as that sounds good, especially if they're serving lobster. For me, my wife doesn't eat sea insects. But this is the feast the prophet Isaiah is talking about in our first reading. Do you know why that reading is read at almost every Lutheran funeral? Because the pall that is being over all the nations, the veil over all the nations is death. Death is the famine that plagues us all. And the feast that the Lord is setting out on His mountain is the feast that cures that famine. It's eternal life. It's all good things. We need only not throw away the gift He has given us. We have been invited by pure grace to partake in that banquet. And now, now we need only remember that we are wedding guests on our way to the final feast. We live that way. We dress that way at least one day a week. And spiritually, we dress that way every day by doing the things that St. Paul talked about in his Philippian, the letter from Philippians today. I started by asking, are you hungry today? Are you hungry for justice? Are you hungry for a world where children aren't victims and aren't being victimized? Are you hungry for peace in a world torn apart by war? Are you hungry for justice in a world of need where there's plenty to go around. The coming of the Lord's final banquet is the end to all those things. It is the coming of God's justice and it is the provision for all who will not throw away the gift He gives. Many are called, but few are chosen. Think of the many in this parable. The first set of wedding guests. Everyone else on the street because the first group of guests wouldn't come. But if you hear the word chosen and you think that God's being capricious and just picking his favorites, you got it wrong. The word that we translate as chosen here is the word eclectoi, from which we get the, the English word eclectic. So if you've ever been in somebody's house who, who uh, decorates eclectically, everything looks a little random, right? Our house is like that. Our house is decorated in what my mom used to call early attic. <laughs> if you look at our, if you go from room to room in our house and you look around, everything looks a little random. That doesn't match this. And why is that put there? And uh, it's never going to make it onto HGTV. It's never going to, no one would, no designer would, would be pleased with this room. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you the story behind every piece of furniture in my house. I can tell you the china cabinet that my wife refinished so it wouldn't get thrown away. I can tell you about the dining table, the $2,000 dining table we got for $200 because it was unfinished and I needed to finish it. <laughs> I can tell you about 
the coffee table that still has a ring where my mom's plant ate a hole in the top of it and I haven't been able to get it to go away. These things were chosen for our house because they each have a story. The choosing that Jesus speaks of here is God choosing those who have not thrown away the gift he has given. All is his grace. All we need to do is not throw away his gift. And to live like we're on our way to the wedding feast is how we don't throw that gift away. We do what St. Paul said. We think on the things that are good and pure and commendable. And when you do that, when you imitate Paul as he imitated Christ, you're going to have that peace that passes all understanding. You're going to know how to deal easily with having much or having little. Think when things are good or things are bad because you know the feast to which you're going. And if you know where you're going, it doesn't matter how rocky the road you're walking to get there. This is God's gift to us in Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, you set that wedding banquet for your Son and you send your Son because you so love the world to bring us in. By His cross, He opens the door for us of salvation and destroys death. By His rising and ascension, He sits at the table waiting for us to come. He lives in our hearts to draw us towards Himself. And as we journey, he provides for us a feast at his table and through your word. Bless us, Lord, to treasure all the good gifts you have given us. That we might never throw them away. Till finally we sit at your table at a wedding feast that has no end. And proclaim you God and celebrate with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light.